This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to start a series of messages on forgiveness. Now forgiveness is a wonderful virtue, but it's probably the hardest of all virtues. It is hard to offer forgiveness, and it's hard for us to receive forgiveness. Now I'm a fan of forgiveness. I'm a benefactor of forgiveness, aren't you? And yet, even though we know it's necessary, it can get complicated. So in this series of messages, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be moving toward forgiveness. We're going to be talking next week about the benefits of forgiveness. And the following week, we're going to be wrapping it up in terms of talking about taking the steps toward forgiveness and full reconciliation. But what we're going to do today is maybe a little bit counterintuitive. We're going to suggest today that sometimes we can forgive too soon. Just like we can rush to judgment, sometimes we can rush to forgiveness. There's times when we need to hit the pause button, when we need to step back and take inventory and do some analysis and take some time of really acknowledging and assessing the pain of the situation, uh, all that's been involved. So today, we're, we're going to look at the reality of what to do with the pain when something has occurred to us, especially if it's something of magnanimous proportions or if it's been done by someone that we've loved and We don't want to stuff the pain. We don't want to be shallow in our response. We want to address it. Now, let's jump into this. I want to show you a series of pictures. I want you to ask yourself the question, did you live through this event? The Trail of Tears. Probably not. But the Trail of Tears was a horrific time in our country's history in the early 1800s, where the Cherokee Nation transported against their will from the Carolinas to Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And you can go down there and you can see that story. The pain that was afflicted on a group of people, a horrific injustice by the United States of America. Next slide, Pearl Harbor. Anybody been remember Pearl Harbor personally? That day of infamy, 1941. Anybody remember Auschwitz, 1945? Remember the story? Six million Jews killed? Eleven million different people killed by Nazi Germany in World War II. Next slide. How many remember Selma, Alabama? I was a 10-year-old kid, the bridge that day. I remember watching the event itself. I remember watching that unfold. Next slide, 9-11. Remember where you were? Remember 9-11? Most of us do. Next slide, Ferguson, Missouri. The events that continue to transpire even this week in the relationship that's going on with police, law enforcement, African Americans, uh, 
pain. Now, depending upon your age, depending upon maybe the color of your skin, upon your heritage, these pictures affect you in different ways. But in every one of those situations, there is injustice, there is pain, and what we tend to do as a nation, as a people, is we just rush things. We say, let's forgive and forget. It's time to move on. And what happens is, and I think what is happening in our culture, in our time today, is that pain gets recycled. So, uh, you know, 9-11, it, it kind of turns into, uh, you got ISIS today. Or you've got the affliction of the Jews or the Christians around the world related to what happened to Auschwitz. You, you have these things that just keep going on in our, in our wounded, weary world. And you and I have our personal 9-11s. We have things that happen to us. And rather than forgive too quickly, it's better to take a look at the pain and let the pain teach us something. Richard Rohr says that you should not leave your pain until you learn what you need to learn from it. If you go around it, it will be there until you learn from it. Then and only then can we let go of it with gratitude, learning what we need to know. So we're going to look at some scripture together today, and we're going to look at this Psalm 137. And as the words appear on the screen or as the words are written in your Pray, Study, Grow material, I invite you to follow along. And I want to give you the backstory before we look at these words of scripture together. What's happened is that the Babylonians in the year 586, 586 before Christ, they come and they burn the city of Jerusalem. It's kind of like one of those 9-11 and Pearl Harbor events to the Jewish people. And Jerusalem is the capital city, the political capital, and the religious capital of the Jews. The Babylonians have come and they burn the city to the ground. And they've killed a lot of people. And they're carrying the rest of them off into exile. And it's in the midst of this happening, of this occurring, as one of the captors recounts what occurs in this horrific incident in their life. Let's look at these words together. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Now, notice that the first thing the Scripture invites us to do is to weep. You ever weep? It invites us to grieve. Grieving, acknowledgement is part of the healing process. Do we take the time to mourn? Do we take the time to sit with our pain? Reading on. On the willows, there we hung our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Now, in NFL football, you can't taunt once you've scored the touchdown and you get in the opponent's face and you taunt and celebrate in front of them, what happens? You get a penalty. What's going on in this scripture is that not only are the captors destroying their heritage, burning their city, but they're taunting them and saying, hey, sing us one of your faith songs. Sing us one of those religious songs you just sang back in Zion. 
And here's the response. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joys. Let me to remember. We need to take the time to remember our loss. What's been taken away from us? Who has been taken away from us? Choosing to remember and, and honor that dignity and honor that person is part of the healing process. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand not work. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. Who are the Edomites? Well, the Edomites were neighbors of Israel. They were, they were shirt-tailed cousins. They were right next door, and they consented to what the Babylonians were doing. They weren't doing, they, they weren't doing the violence. They weren't perpetrating it. But they were going along with it and they were even celebrating. Who are the Edomites in your life? When, when something has been done to you that's injured you, that's hurt you, was there someone else that didn't do it but was standing by and didn't help? And by not helping, giving their own consent to what occurred. So sometimes in our pain, sometimes in our life situations, there's the Edomites that we need to forgive. And then, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to, dis- to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. And here you find this full expression in Scripture, in the psalm, of vengeance and hatred and retaliation. Now, friends, what do you do with this? What's the psalm teaching us? Some people can take Scripture and misuse it. The Scripture is not validating retaliating violence for violence. We've had enough of that in this world. But what it is saying is... What do you do with that rage? Is you, you don't fight back necessarily, but you don't run from it either. You can't stuff it. You have to find expression for it. And so what Psalm 137 does, in the pain, in the hurt, it allows us to get that, that out and look at it. Richard Foster, in his book, Prayers of the Heart, writes out two different prayers And these prayers are also provided in your Pray, Study, Grow material this week. And it's prayers that you may want to sit with. It's prayers that you may want to pray yourself. The first is the acknowledgement. Dear God, I come to you with an overwhelming anger, a bursting rage. This rage is like a cancer shut up in my bones, eating away at my soul. Today, O God, I acknowledge this rage. I do not suppress it or hide from it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for accepting me, rage and all. And the second prayer is expression. Oh God, I feel like a burning rage within, a fire gone wild, burning, always burning. God, I hate what was done to me. It was so evil, so wrong. Why this evil? Why this degradation? Why, why, why? 
My rage, O God, is the only power I have against the vicious world. That's why I cannot let it go. Please, God, don't ask me to let it go. Now, I want to tell you something about me. I, I have difficulty identifying with this kind of rage. I've lived a really good life. I had a really good childhood. I had kind of a, a Mayberry RFD kind of childhood growing up. And so it is hard for me to associate myself with people that did not have that kind of childhood and have got some memories and some stuff that has occurred in their life or is occurring in their life where this kind of expression, that anger, that rage is justified and it needs to come out. So what I want to say next is I want to say something to people like me who want the person just to move on, who, who wants to just fix it and move on. And here's a better way of handling it. So if, if we're the person that's not been sinned against, we're not the one that's got the anger, how do we help the person that does have it? Do's and don'ts. Do. Do listen. Listen to what the person has to say. Let that person talk it out until they're tired of it themselves. But don't tell your own stories. Well, this kind of reminds me of what happened to me back when. Don't do that. Do keep confidentiality. Unless it's a situation that involves the perpetration of a minor or where someone is physically endangered. The better rule is to keep confidence. Don't, though, try to fix the pain. Do offer love and support. But don't minimize their loss. Do empathize and be prayerful. And by prayerful, pray for the person. But don't pray with the person unless the person is open to that. And when you pray with the other person, don't pray the religious stuff. By that, pray a prayer that is guided and directed by the Holy Spirit that helps to truly minister to the person in their pain. But don't offer advice, especially unsolicited advice. Some of the things to keep in mind. If we're not the one that's been hurt, but we're working with someone that has. Now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a movie, Saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks is a movie that came out a couple years ago that tells this amazing story of the iconic Walt Disney. Walt Disney grew up in Marceline, Missouri. He was born in Marceline, Missouri. He grew up in Kansas City. And a Mrs. Travers, who created Mary Poppins, who wrote the book, who created the character. And Walt Disney and Mrs. Travers has had a tough childhood. She was the daughter of an alcoholic father. And she never was able to really acknowledge the pain. She was not able to save her father. And she wasn't able to really deal with the pain of what she went through as a child. And so what she did was she stuffed it. And she carried that pain. And it turned her into a harsh, stiff upper lip kind of English woman that she was. 
And so this movie, Saving Mr. Banks, is a modern-day story without a parable. Jesus never spoke. It's a story for us today that exemplifies when Walt Disney comes and talks to her about, give me the rights and I'm going to redeem and save your father. It's a story about how God uses forgiveness and the importance of facing the pain in our life. Let's watch this video clip from the movie. You see, I have my own Mr. Banks. Mine had a mustache. So not true that Disney created man in his own image? <laughs> no, no. It is true that you created yourself in someone else's, yes? You ever been to Kansas City, Miss Travis, you know Missouri at all? I can't say I do. Well, it's mighty cold there in the winters. Bitter cold. My dad, Elias Disney, he owned a newspaper delivery route there, a thousand papers, twice daily, a morning and an evening edition. And dad was a tough businessman. He was a save a penny anywhere you can type of fella, so he wouldn't employ delivery boys. No, no, no. He used me and my big brother Roy. I was, uh, I was eight back then, just eight years old. And like I said, uh, Winters are harsh. And old Elias, well, he didn't believe in new shoes until the old ones were worn through. And honestly, Mr. Travers, the snowdrift, sometimes they were up over my head. And we'd push through that snow like it was molasses. Cold and wet seeping through our clothes and our shoes. Skin peeling from our faces. Sometimes I'd find myself sunk down in that snow, just waking up. Because I must have passed out or something, I don't know. And then, well, it was time for school, and I was too cold or wet to figure out equations and things. And, well, then it was right back out in the snow again to get home just before dark. Mother would feed us dinner, and then it was time to go right back out and do it again for the evening edition. You best be quick there, Walt. You better get those newspapers up on that porch and under that storm door. Pop's going to lose his temper again and show you the buckle end of his belt, boy. Now, I don't, I don't tell you this to make you sad, Mrs. Travers. I don't. I love my life. I think it's a miracle. I love my dad. He was a, he was a wonderful man. But rare is the day when I don't think about that eight-year-old boy delivering newspapers in the snow and old Elias Disney with that strap in his fist. Now, we all have our sad tales, but don't you want to finish the story? Let it all go and have a life that isn't dictated by the past. It's not the children she comes to save. It's their father. It's your father. Forgiveness, Mrs. Travers. It's what I learned from your books. I don't have to forgive my father. He was a wonderful man. No, no. You need to forgive Helen Goff. Life is a harsh sentence to lay down for yourself. Give her to me, Mrs. Travers. Trust me with your precious Mary Poppins. I won't disappoint you. 
I swear, every time a person walks into a movie house from Leicester Square to Kansas City, they will see George Banks being saved. They will love him and his kids. They will weep for his cares. They will wring their hands when he loses his job. And when he flies that kite. Oh, Mrs. Travis, they will rejoice. They will sing. In movie houses all over the world, in the eyes and hearts of my kids and other kids and mothers and fathers for generations to come, George Banks will be honored. George Banks will be redeemed. George Banks and all he stands for will be saved. We don't deal with the harshness of what's happened to us. We're not able to acknowledge our pain. We're not able to forgive people that's uh, maybe been an authority over us, a parent, the unfaithfulness of a spouse. When, when that stuff just kind of stays under the covers and we get a stiff upper lip about life, when we stuff it, we may survive, but it's not a way to become a human being. It's not a way to restore ourselves in the image of God. It's not a way of, of being fully alive. And so one of the things that Jesus permits us to do is to grieve. Do you remember one of his Beatitudes where Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, happy are those who mourn, who grieve, because they'll be comforted. You know, we Christians sometimes, we spout out our scriptures. And we spout out our words of forgive. And, you, and if you don't forgive, someone's not going to forgive you. And God's not going to forgive you. And believe me, I believe in those scriptures. But Jesus would listen to people first. Jesus would enter into conversation. And Jesus wept. Remember last week? Remember the sermon? Remember the message about Lazarus? What did Jesus do? Several times in the story, he weeps. Deeply troubled in spirit. What did Jesus do before he entered Jerusalem the final time? Do you remember? He, he sat over the, the city, over the lostness of people. And he said, how I would have gathered you like a chicken gathers her hands under her chicks, but under its wings, but you would not come. Jesus wept. And the city of Jerusalem was going to be destroyed again 40 years later by the Romans. What am I saying here? I'm saying that Jesus gives us the opportunity and in fact he points us by his teaching and by his example that we need to grieve. We need to acknowledge the pain. We need to help other people acknowledge the pain. And it's not one of those simple things, just forgive and forget and get on with it. In the bombing of Oklahoma City in the 1990s, remember that event? And you go to the memorial there, and there's two walls. There's 901 and there's 903, which represents what happened before and what Oklahoma City downtown was like before 902 and what happened after 902. But in between the two walls is Jesus, the statue of Jesus, where Jesus is weeping. I hope that comforts you because it, it says to me that in the midst of the tragedies and the events that 
keep going on in our world, in our community, in our lives, and in our own personal lives. Jesus is there, and his first response is to step into the pain with us and to weep and to grieve and to let us step into that pain and let that pain teach us so that we can move on toward forgiveness. Got, got a challenge for you. Got an invitation for you today. If you are someone who is holding something against somebody, you've been hurt, you've been harmed. Maybe something large, maybe not so big, but it's there. Something in your spirit, resentment, bitterness, something you're holding against another person, anger. Look at Psalm 137 again. In fact, there's a place where you can even write that even now in the next few minutes. You can write out your own Psalm 137. Not a pretty prayer, but an honest prayer. A place where you really are. And express that, not the way you think it should be, but the way that it really is. Just for you. Between you and your God. Expressing the anger, expressing the grief. So that... uh, you can move toward healing and forgiveness. As the band comes and leads us in in a closing song and and, in a wonderful song about forgiveness, remember that forgiveness is a great virtue. I'm a fan of forgiveness. I need forgiveness. And I need to offer forgiveness. But wherever we are, in our spirits, God will meet us there. And he'll lead us to the place where we need to go.